My name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners of our programme will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership and current affairs. And to this end, it is my absolute pleasure to welcome Paul Armstrong onto today's show. Uh, Paul is a published author, founder of Emerging Tech Advisory Here Forth, and founder of the Technology Behaviour Data, otherwise known as TBD, group and conference. Um, Paul, without further ado, very warm welcome to you and thanks for joining us on the show. Happy New Year. Uh, Happy New Year to you as well, Paul. And uh, just for the listeners tuning in, we are recording this programme on uh, the 5th of January 2023. So indeed, very early on in the uh, the new year. And uh, Paul, just to kind of set the scene for those tuning in that might not be familiar with you, uh, your role is essentially to help business leaders make better decisions on how to leverage emerging technologies, isn't it? And that ultimately helps them get ahead of the competition today and build resilience for tomorrow. I suppose that's kind of the simple version of, uh, of describing it, no? Yeah, it's a good, a good summary. I work with big companies like Meta, Coca-Cola, PwC, all the way down to new startups that are forming or agencies um, like Omnicom. Fantastic. And uh, as we touched on at the very beginning, you are a published author as well. And uh, some of your works include Disruptive Technologies, Understand, Evaluate and Respond. And that um, publication addresses exactly kind of what we've uh, sort of just talked about, isn't it? How business leaders can best leverage emerging technologies, get ahead of the competition today and build resilience for tomorrow. And it's a very exciting time, isn't it? Because although that book came out in uh, 2017, I think I'm right in saying, um, there's an updated version, isn't there, coming out later this month. And I guess without giving too much away, I'd love to understand kind of what are some of the key fundamentals in that work that business leaders need to be considering when looking to digitally transform their businesses this year. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you're right. The uh, book does come out this month, so uh, it's available on Amazon, all the good, you know, the usual people, Walmart, Target, everything. Um, so the book, I wrote it in 2017 because people were just having problems understanding what AI was, what blockchain was, and we had a sort of raft of new technologies that uh, were coming through that people didn't quite sort of understand. They were at their very heart, sort of quite jarring for a lot of people. They didn't quite sort of know what they fit in, whose job it was, or how to leverage them. Um, I created a framework um, called TBD, Technology, Behavior, and Data. Um, put it in the book, obviously, evaluated a lot of those technologies. And it, essentially, it just helps people cut through the red tape for innovation in their businesses, whether they're an agency, big company, or even you know a, a department within a company and that sort of thing. Um, it's worked with big companies, large companies, and um, the, the reason I think for its success and the reason why they asked me to do a second book is because, number one, it's easy to sort of follow, and number two is it works. It gets people sort of thinking about all of the issues that might happen before they happen. So essentially, you sort of de-risked whatever you want to sort of um, do. The book also helps people figure out what level of investment to give it um, ideas or new platforms as well. So it's an always-on sort of very helpful book. Um, I've added new chapters. There's one about Web um, 3 and all those new technologies that are coming through and sort of mystifying people at the moment. And then there's also uh, one about the multiverse, which, again, is another area where people are having what I call toxic positive. positivity problems and that sort of thing. So a lot of cheerleaders around stuff, but not a lot of um, sort of understanding um, for the regular sort of businesses that are out there. 
Yeah, and that uh, sort of lack of understanding that you talked about, um, it's something that seems to be consistent across sort of new technologies, such as you talked about there, the multiverse, uh, maybe Web3 as well, um, artificial intelligence especially. There's there's this idea amongst people that maybe they're these sort of big sort of huge sexy technologies that are maybe going to come round and take over the world or take people's jobs uh, because that's what automation does in the minds of some and uh, do you think that maybe the misconceptions around those sorts of technologies and maybe the resulting aversion of those can that essentially lead to them being essentially not fulfilling their full potential within a business and maybe people misusing them yeah, absolutely. Potential is definitely there for that outcome. I think also when people sort of delve into um, technologies, a lot of people out there don't make it easy for them to understand what the sort of basics of that technology are, all the pros and cons, or even how people are using it now. I stripped that back for the book and have updated it since. And people that have read it have told me this actually made it you know, accessible for me. And I feel like I'm not dangerous in front of my boss or clients anymore. And I think that's the key with any of those technologies or sort of issues that you've just mentioned is arming yourself with the right information. And whether that's a framework, whether it's a book, whether it's just knowing, um, you know, all the resources that I list in the book to sort of keep um, your knowledge up, that's the, that's the key, isn't it, really? You know, automation's coming, whether it disrupts, is, you know, how companies implement it, really. You know, uh, one thing when it comes to robotics is we just don't have enough people to care for the aging generation. So what do we do? Do we start throwing people off cliffs? Or do we actually figure out how we're going to do this with robotics and, and Japan's leading the way? You know, you've got robots that can turn people, say hello, have remote teleconferences, and they're actually seeing a, a dramatic increase in quality of life. So it's how you use them, but also how you sort of think about them moving forward, I find. Yeah, it's incredibly important, isn't it? And you talk about their information and um, you've, it's an old adage, isn't it? Information is power and arming yourself with the right information, doing away with the misconceptions around technologies. It's one of the best ways that you can actually unleash the potential of a technology. And thinking about sort of um, how we sort of digitally transform businesses, if I'm sort of a startup entrepreneur, if I'm bringing a new sort of technology or a new process into my business to really make sure that it works to the best possible effect, do you think that it needs to improve outcomes not just for the user, so the user experience, but also the uh, the client as well, the customer? Do you think that the two have to kind of go together for the technology to really work to its best? Yeah, I think there always has to be a use case for technology. Sometimes it's not immediately apparent, but then other times, you know, you can clearly see why it's been sort of built and sort of implemented. Um, the, the argument, I think, for a lot of technology that's out there is it doesn't solve the right problems. Um, I can't remember the phrase, but they used to say Silicon Valley um, used to solve um, first world problems that no one thought of. Um, or no one cared for things, you know, and that sort of stuff, like um, air-conditioned dog huts, you know, and that sort of stuff. But you could argue that there are other hubs, um, and there are obviously green shoots in Silicon Valley as well, I'm not, I'm not just bashing them, but there are green shoots around the world about people that want to disrupt and move things along. And the argument is, if you are one of these startups, you have to have a very clear idea of where you're going and sort of what you're trying to fix. And if the job needs to be done, you know, by enough people, TBD, the framework, the, the simple version, there are two versions of it in the book, essentially asks that question. So will people, can people do what you're asking them? Will people do what you're asking? And will enough do what you're asking? And once you sort of start attaching numbers to those, you can start figuring out, oh, okay, we need to do a bit more work on the, on this side, or when do you think that will sort of get um, to, to mass penetration? And that's when you start to see some sort of sense and some um, uh, what I call it, good judgment when it comes to you know putting new innovative technologies out there. 
And I suppose some of the innovations that are out there, they don't necessarily solve existing problems, do they? They're almost kind of directed at changing consumer behaviour. And I think two very good examples of that, you could say, are um, Uber and Airbnb, aren't they? I mean, it's like nobody probably thought of sort of an online hotel service where ordinary people sort of effectively rent out their own homes as hotels. But yet here we are, it's taken off. And so technology, it can change behaviour, can't it, as well as solve existing problems? Yeah, there's an interesting argument on the internet about whether Uber is disruptive technology. Mm. And I sort of uh, the idea of it, it isn't. It just changed the rules of the game, which isn't necessarily disruptive technology. Airbnb, on the other hand, really flipped up the script on, on what people sort of expect from a hotel and sort of moved that needle. Uh, Uber, when it comes down to it, really just sort of um, reworked how to book a taxi, um, not 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 genuinely really, you know, changing all too much. Um, but one I always quote, you know, Airbnb is a good one as well. Netflix kind of started off as the sort of disruptive technology. It saw the niche, went low end, and then sort of really like desecrating the market. But you look at them now and you could argue they're a victim of their own success because they show that they can be so successful. You actually don't need superb amounts of money or content on it. Um, You can actually have quite a a nice uh, little earning thing. Ask Disney. You know, most people didn't think they'd grow half as fast as they did. But, um, you know, because you can have these locus of control when it comes to technology and content, that you can suddenly get, oh, a really nice product that consumers like. Yeah, exactly right. And um, certainly with technology, what we've seen an awful lot of since the pandemic is that it's brought sort of a whole new way of working forward. Some say by as much as 10 years with the advent of the sort of remote and hybrid working world. And of course, with that side of things, there are immense benefits to that with regards to the work-life balance, productivity perhaps. But there are also pitfalls, aren't there, particularly around the potential for um, sort of isolation from sort of the uh, the camaraderie of the office environment, sort of loneliness and the mental health um, implications that that has around it. So with regards to using sort of remote working technologies and video communication technologies, do you feel that there are steps that leaders can take to make sure they don't fall into some of the uh, the common traps that are out there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, remote working demands one thing of the people. You have to be a better person. It's not the technology's job to make you be a better person. You have to want to check into um, people's lives and make sure they're okay. And the technology can help you do that. It can remind you to do things. But also you have to want to do them. You have to ask the right questions. And, you know, somebody filling out a questionnaire saying how your mental health is, yes, that's a way of doing it. Is it the right way? Is it the best way? Probably not. Um, I'm on the board for Global Tech Advocates Future of Work Board, and this is something we're looking at now. It's like what's really coming down the pipeline for issues that um, businesses are sort of looking at. When it comes to technology, we, we have everything that we kind of need at the moment. We're just not using it in the right way, or we, we might be missing a few things. But ultimately, the majority of it's there. We have to form new norms when it comes to working, whether that's alone, in groups, or how we sort of think about offices and when people come into them. Ultimately, there are lots of costs when it comes to um, working, um, and even remotely, you know, that's thing. People are finding out that there's massive security risks when people's broadband is just the, the same BT broadband that I have, you know, and that sort of thing. Uh, that, that won't work for people like HSBC. They will need more robust um, security if people are going to work from home. So the argument is you have to sort of figure out what's right for your business, what's right now, what can we do immediately, and what do we need sort of a bit of time, money, and investment on, 
And again, you can use the TVD framework to figure out what level of investment that you want to give these things and how quickly. But the future of work is, is very fragmented at the moment. A lot of people are coming through and saying, oh, it's here, everyone's going to work from home and sort of travel in a few days away. It, nothing's written yet. It'll be uh, generational. It'll be um, geographical as well. Um, and it'll also be technological. Those, those are the big drivers that will really see, you know, how people um, adopt it or reject it. You know, some people, you know, like to have that church in the state where it's, I'm at home, I don't want to be notified about anything to do with my business. And other people don't mind it. So it's really figuring out how we sort of move that need or to get the best out of people, but not um, at the cost of, you know, uh, mental health. Yeah, and I suppose it takes some sort of form of management for the individual as well, doesn't it? Because, I mean, you have the ability, essentially, when you have sort of your computer and all the technology available to work from home and at your disposal to sort of be on your emails, for instance, at 11pm at night, should you want to, or maybe because you're not taking the uh, the train or uh, that drive into work in the morning, you can sort of start working a little bit earlier and do more work. But it's about essentially making sure that you are taking on a workload that is manageable for you as well. So as leaders, we can do so much but the individual also has to be able to kind of manage the workload themselves as well don't they and we've got to take charge on our own mental health and well-being at times yeah and i think it goes beyond mental health also just like their being if that makes sense so you know yes you have a contract with this company that says you have to work eight hours a day no one I, very few contracts have said you know put in nine till five you know that sort of thing so it's all very flexible but also you're living in weird times at the moment where lots is up in the air and you can renegotiate contracts you can figure out four-day work week let's do an experiment lots of people um, have done that in the uk it's come out pretty well you know so whether that gets mass adopted that will be interesting to sort of see it won't work for everyone you know we're, we're seeing a lot of people sort of create a and b squads does that work long term you know so all of these things are new and sort of being tested by a lot of different um brands and sort of businesses out there um scandinavia always sort of seems to go first with these and a lot of people go like well no, we're not like scandinavia what do we get from them and it, it is true you need to really look at what's happening in your neck of the woods when it comes to these sorts of um, changes to the future of work but ultimately like you say the technology is there we do have to just look out for these things called people you know you can email millions of people but you don't have to assume that an email will be read until it's read you know it, it gets down to that sort of like what sort of person do you want to be and how do I create the um, illusion that I am not just productive but uh, I can be trusted you know that's the biggest thing I've found when I've been speaking to CEOs and I interview a lot of CEOs for the podcast mouthwash that we run about the future of work and I said it comes down to like trust doesn't it it's like I don't think many um, employers out there trust their um, employees enough and I think ultimately the pandemic maybe has even pushed them even further into the distrust thing. It'll be interesting how that sort of um, spectrum comes back. But of course, demonstrating that trust and showing that it is there and, all, and leaders are trusting their workforces, that's going to be important for not just productivity, but also kind of psychological safety and workplace satisfaction, isn't it? Because I suppose when we're talking about the uh, the great resignation that we've seen since the uh, the pandemic, I suppose that may be sentiment of, uh, you know, sort of discomfort, distrust that's there. Maybe the fact that they feel that even in a remote working environment, sort of their bosses are always sort of over their shoulder in one way or another, maybe checking in a little bit too much. Um, is that something that could maybe sort of put employees off and maybe see them sort of evaluate their options, move on elsewhere? 
Yeah, definitely. I will take on one point. There's a great resignation. That The data just isn't there to say that that is sort of doing it. If anything, it's a great acceleration. Though. People were quitting their jobs because they were rubbish before the pandemic. That, the pandemic just spurred them on to do it more because it sort of exacerbated um, the uh, effects that were sort of not desirable, and that's why they sort of left. And that will increase um, through 2023, 2024, just simply because businesses will be flexing with inflation and other elements um, they need to. Um, your point around, you know, will it cause more problems with people leaving? Absolutely. If you don't have a good work-life balance or culture, that's one of the quickest drivers um, that will move people out. And if you're not retraining and, you know, checking on that training for your leaders, that's the biggest way that your um, people will just die. People don't lose businesses, leave businesses, they leave leaders. And that's my sort of like key takeaway, I think, from the, the softer side of what I write about in the book, which is sort of how to get ideas through and all that. You're like, you need to show the people that it is okay to speak up, that it is brilliant for them to sort of think and sort of ask the what-if questions. Most people at the moment are terrified of losing their job because of the cost of living crisis and other things, but also um, generally just putting their head above a parapet just in case they get thought of less and, you know, there are uh, firings coming down, then they'll be thought of first. You know, that's the thing um, leaders have to sort of be uh, aware of and making sure that they're actively fighting against. Exactly right. And um, you mentioned as well sort of the importance of decision making, certainly around people and around technology in a time like this. And uh, investment is one of the key things that we've touched on already during this uh, conversation. And I suppose the temptation can be there in the current economic climate, especially to bootstrap rake in spending. But essentially, is this a time actually to be investing in sort of new technologies and your people? to make sure that when the recovery does inevitably come around, you're there to sort of really capitalise on the opportunities. Yeah, I, I think before then, in fact, I think... Um companies should be looking at what's a smart investment right now to keep my people going, to keep them motivated, also to keep them staying because it's much more disruptive to have somebody leave than it is to usually onboard someone. Um, it's a bit cheaper, isn't it, these days? Um, but also, uh, why wait? You know, there isn't, there isn't going to be a date we're all waiting for for this to be over. We are sort of going through a big period of change and disruption, which will leave a new world. But it will also have other repercussions that will happen because of other things that will be going on in the world. We still have a big war going on. Will that get bigger? You know, that's, there's a lot of uncertainty. And that drives fear when it comes to investment. And that's the one thing that leaders can really sort of rally around is get their head straight. And look at the indicators that sort of move their markets and you know change the world for their businesses and check in with the staff and make sure that you're empowering staff to really figure out what's working for our business, what do we need to spend money on now? And that's the thing. The one thing the book does is figure help people make a business case a lot faster. And that gets innovation through because it's less risky and also people can, you know, move quickly if that makes sense. So you agree everything up front, then you move forward. And that's the key of like having an agile business when you're going through uncertain times. Exactly right. And that productivity and being able to sort of really unleash the potential of that is so, so, so very important. And for any business leaders out there that, you know, um, the issues that we have talked about today do particularly resonate with you. It is worth mentioning that uh, the Technology Behaviour and Data Conference that uh, Paul founded, um, this year's edition actually takes place next month on February the 23rd, 2023. And that's all based around the framework of uh, Paul's Disruptive Technologies book as well. And it aims to bring business leaders together to 
to help inform, inspire and challenge the way that decisions are made. So um, just touching on that, Paul, uh, since it's an upcoming thing, um, what can people expect from this year's CBD conference? Sure. So um, hopefully we're back physically. I will be taking a beat on whether the uh, rail strikes will scupper us, but um, I don't know quite yet, but hopefully not. But um, essentially CBD is a one-day event that helps um, people make better decisions for the next 12 to 24 months. We have a raft of um, incredibly smart cookies. The Economist is back as media partner. We've got folks from Spotify, Snapchat, Shopify, um, Oxford University. We've got Twilio. Who else have we got? We've got Boots. Um, Bruce Daisley, he's ex-Twitter, but like he's one of the biggest um, names thinking about different stuff for the future of work. We have experts on being alone. We have a slam poet. Uh, we're talking about the circular economy. We've got um, an ex-Royal Marine who uh, specializes in surveillance and reconnaissance and, you know, experts for Reddit. Um, oh, a Plastic Planet is speaking as well. So if you want to know about um, the future of plastic, all there, really exciting stuff that can change, you know, massive industries. And then you've got people like Narasa, who most people will have never heard of, but they're helping the next billion people in China eat. So um, come along for the day or get an on-demand ticket. It's online live and that sort of thing. It's, um, it's a rocket ship that you sort of get on. Nobody knows what we're titles of what's talked about you just know who's speaking and there are a raft of incredibly smart people from you know IDEO, um, patent drop, uh, Pulitzer Prize winning journalists and that sort of thing. There, it's a really really strong cohort this year. It is every year but this one's incredibly strong. We started really early going out for different sort of people but I wanted um, the theme for this one, what matters, to uh, to really sort of resonate with a lot of people from different industries. So you know whether you're in retail or manufacturing come along it will test your assumptions but it will make you think deeper and longer more critically about the next two years absolutely and uh, do go and look ahead um, at that on the uh, the tbdconference.com online that would be the uh, the best port of call for that for anybody interested in finding out more and maybe looking to attend and uh, I think one of the uh, the first reviews that you'll find on that website is that it's just like a TED without the BS so certainly worth uh, worth going along to uh, to that and uh, as we look ahead to the uh, the future um, as well Paul actually I'd be interested in understanding a little bit more about some of your sort of personal goals and ambitions and as you help leaders sort of really take on the mantle of making better decisions around sort of their tech their behavior and sort of using data to really enhance their decision making um what is it that you're sort of looking to achieve um, in this uh, this new year 2023 that's uh, that's now ahead of us yeah i'm looking to relocate back to los angeles so i used to live out there when i worked for myspace and other agencies and um uh, that sort of world but the idea is um, I want to go back and I want to sort of move TBD to the next level create more of a community feel with it but essentially help businesses travel through this next period five to ten years where we're going to go through massive technological change a massive societal change and I think one of the biggest ways of doing that is arming them with better decision-making tools so whether that's frameworks or um, you know new events and that's the thing that we create it's important to bring people along and help them help their people um i don't want to create another ted that's out there they did great jobs and that sort of thing it was um an attendee that said that uh, beautiful phrase that you yeah. a minute. Mm-hmm. but it makes sense um when you sort of do it it's like people need the information and then they need the way to sort of help them move forward so for me my sort of um goal for this year number one relocate number two think larger and I think um, push uh, you know push against the toxic positivity that I'm seeing with regards to some of these technologies that I put in the book from Web3 to Multiverse Metaverse and that it has to be made smarter so that people can get their head around oh I get it I could use it like this 
it's not quite right now, but maybe in two years I should sort of relook at it and that sort of stuff. That that all I can help to achieve and um, the, the world is making things, you know, helping people save a bit of money, using resources correctly, and not annoying people. And it's so important, isn't it, that sort of simplification and decoding, if you will, of like sort of these big emerging technologies that might seem so complex, but can really be put to practical business use. If you said there, it's so, so vital and uh, some fantastic um, ambitions there as well, Paul, I think it's fair to say, you know, I'd love the opportunity to perhaps even welcome you back onto the show at some point in this next year and, you know, see how it's all coming together for you. And hopefully there'll be some real positive news to share. I would as well, Paul. It's been my immense pleasure welcoming you onto the uh, the program today, and thanks ever so much again for your time and taking to her uh, to join us. It's been really enlightening for myself, and certainly I'm sure the uh, the listeners uh, share that sentiment as well. And uh, everybody tuning in, I do hope that you have thoroughly enjoyed hearing from Paul Armstrong, published author, founder of Hereforth, and founder of the Technology Behaviour Data Group and Conference. And uh, best of luck, Paul, with the uh, the upcoming release of the uh, the new edition of Disruptive Technologies as well. And um, I'm correct in saying that the new edition will also be available on Amazon as well, won't it? Just like the predecessor yep uh, amazon target walmart and bond and noble pretty much anywhere they're all syndicated these days <laughs> Uh, fantastic so do certainly keep a look out for that work as well um, as always I've been your host on today's episode of the Leaders Council podcast Scott Challoner talking all things leadership in the world of technology behavior and data today and um, until next time when we'll be back with a whole new perspective on leadership and current affairs please do take care everyone and goodbye <laughs>